Welcome to the Bun Games Podcast. I'm your host, Alex, and this is my first episode of a very rambly RPG kind of podcast. And I'm currently working on three different big projects, and I realized, oh man, this is taking up all my time. I'm going to need to do stuff on the side to make sure I can still put out more content while I'm working on these projects. So I decided to start a fourth project and make a podcast because... I'm an idiot, I guess. I don't know how frequent these are going to be, and if you guys do enjoy them, please let me know. Right now, I'm just going to upload them to YouTube and my Patreon, but if people do want this in an actual podcast form, then I'll just go through and get that stuff done to make sure it's up there in audio form, which I know would be the normal thing to do, but like I said, I'm working on some other things. It's just an extra thing I have to do, so let me know if you enjoy this. To give you a few channel updates before we get into the main stuff, uh, the things I'm working on right now, the main one that will hopefully be the next thing that comes out, will be the um, how to run a DCC campaign. This is what the patrons vote on, so that's what I'm working on. But that script ended up being a much bigger beast than I originally planned for. I'm still writing it. I'm on like page 18. I don't know how much more I have left to go, but there is just so much that I want to say, and I still want to say, and I'm still trying to get all those thoughts in together, so that's been a fun thing where I'm just trying to make sure I can capture a lot of different aspects and different questions I see people have, so I can really make sure that I can cover at least most of, if not all, like the main big bases that people sort of usually ask about. So hopefully that will be an interesting one. I'm looking forward to doing that one. The other project I'm working on is back in, I believe, February or maybe early March. Jack and I, you might know him from the uh, Atlas Breakdown video or the other Worlds of Number videos we did. He and I did a three-hour recording on how to do a hex crawl with Worlds of Number. That one was really good. We got we got a lot of stuff covered, but that one just needs so much editing. Like, I really want it to flow well and properly so that, you know... All the information comes through pretty easily, and it just took us a long time to get through stuff because we were using Foundry. So hopefully when I get around to that, I'll be able to actually edit that down. I have the recording there just staring back at me, and every time I look at it, I'm just like, I gotta edit this down, but I just do not have time right now. And the third project is the actual play that we're doing in late April. Um, that one's not going to be live. I'm going to record it, and then hopefully also try and do... A pretty good job editing it, trying to make sure that one flows well as well, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but I'm pretty excited about that one. Um, you guys will recognize a few faces from the last actual plays, and that one should be a pretty good time. And with all that out of the way, let's get into the main meat. I still don't totally know where I'm going to go with this podcast. Um, the general idea I'll probably do most of the time is just sort of talk about the stuff I've run or played in that I don't really have time to do a sort of formal review on. But I might also have episodes where I just talk about one topic, you know, like orcs or hex crawls or whatever else. Um, I might have friends on or guests on just chat about different RPG stuff. It should be a pretty overall chill and kind of relaxed thing that I can just do for fun and kind of just get out to you guys so you guys can still have some fun stuff to listen to on your, you know, drive to work or whatever you might be doing. So with that, let's get into the stuff I've played. If you're familiar with me, I don't tend to actually play all that many games, but I actually played in two games in one week, which is usually a lot for me because I'm tending to run two games a week more than playing them. But the first one I played was Shadow Dark, and uh, I had a really good time. I, I know that one's been a weirdly controversial one. I'm not sure if it's because... It's not that different from a lot of other D and derivatives out there. So that people going, oh, this is so awesome. This is like the next coming of the OSR or whatever else it might be, which just rubs a lot of, you know, grognards the wrong way who, you know, sort of respond back with negativity or whatever else. I don't know what's going on with that. It's really just been fun just to see the different, you know, sides going back and forth. But overall, I had fun with it. Um, it didn't do anything that was like super crazy to me that I haven't seen 
elsewhere except for a few things. I think the big one most people talk about is the torch mechanic, which, you know, lasts a real life hour, which is pretty fun. I didn't quite like it. We were also in the middle of combat and the torch went out actually during the combat. So what we all did while we were on call was just all turn our lights off. So it was actually a really fun sort of moment. I feel like if you're at the table, you could have a candle there or whatever light source you might have, and you can turn it down or do whatever, which is basically what we did, um, which did add to it a little bit. I thought that was a really fun thing before we all just, you know, turned it torch back on the next uh, the next round and got back into it. But overall, I had a lot of fun. I thought it was very easy to get into. The GM knew what they were talking about, so they were able to sort of onboard us really quickly. But if you played anything like OSC, DCC, D&D, whatever, you'd get into it pretty quickly. There's not that much different stuff. I would honestly play it over Old School Essentials personally because I feel like the characters have a little bit more meat on their bones. One thing I've struggled with Old School Essentials and why it's basically been replaced by other RPGs now, uh, even though I do use it as a good resource for other things, and I still, as I say many times, is still the gold standard, in my opinion, for the format. I think so many different people can take the format from Old School Essentials really well, but my problem with it is that I did find that when I was playing it, it's pretty bare bones, and I know a lot of people say, like, well, that's the point, you're supposed to sort of add stuff to it, whatever else, and I'm like, yeah, but I can do that, but I also kind of just like a solid system as a base, and then I might change things here and there. For example, um, big surprise, I'm a big fan of DCC at, at its core, um, I don't like clerics, and I find the healing system can be a little rough. Lankmar comes out, and it basically fixes all my issues, so I sort of just bolt on a mix of classic DCC with Lankmar rules. Uh, and when I get Dying Earth next week in my hands, I'll look through those rules and see what I like about that, and I'll probably start mishing and mashing all the all those things together. But going back to Shadow Dark, Shadow Dark, the characters had enough little things to make the classes feel, you know, a little bit different. We did a pretty classic sort of scenario. We were going down into this dwarven underground sort of kingdom that would had been abandoned and you know weird shit had happened sort of minds and moria kind of stuff nothing nothing really breaking the mold on that but it was really fun some really cool monsters i did find it interesting that it plays round by round which i do know a lot of people played you know original DD that way where you sort of just go from round to round even outside combat you just kind of all go in a turn which i do like i do think it has some nice things such as you know everybody kind of you know, getting their turn to say what they want to do. I do think I could see it also messing with pacing, but I think if used correctly or knowing how to use it, or if the players get used to it, I can see that being a really great way to sort of keep pacing good, but I can see it going both ways. I'm still sort of out on how I feel about it. It's probably not the way I would run most games, but I think for Shadow Dark and what we did, it worked really well. So overall, not really a review of Shadow Dark or anything, I just had one experience with it. I had a lot of fun. It was a fantastic group. We were laughing, having a really, really good time. It was that perfect sort of darkness that I love in my fantasy, where it's just like, you know, kind of not quite grim dark, but very much like, you know, that dark fantasy feel to it. So I had a lot of fun, and I'm probably excited to play more of it. I didn't end up backing the Kickstarter because shipping right now, especially where I live in Canada, is getting kind of out of hand. So I'll probably just grab it when it gets into retail because, um, both with the currency exchange and the shipping stuff is kind of nuts. I backed uh, Saves Without Number, which I believe was 80 USD. And after shipping and conversion, I paid 150 Canadian, which is not what I was expecting to pay. And I kind of went, oh, I got to... I gotta peel back on backing too much stuff now, because this is gonna get a little bit out of hand trying to buy stuff, <laughs> where I'm really gonna make sure I only buy the stuff I really want, um, and because I have a lot of stuff that will just fit in the mold of Shadow Dark, 
I don't see any reason really for me to buy it, but I am super happy that's doing really well. It's always, always nice to see people who are doing their RPG stuff. I think it's just nice to see, you know, success in a small sort of niche kind of hobby such as ours. So I think that's fantastic. But yeah, check out Shadow Dark. I think if you're listening to this, there's a high chance you haven't heard of it already. If you're somebody who's sort of deep in the OSR or just deep in the hobby and as a whole, because it was everywhere. So yeah, check it out. And the other thing I played was Hollows, which was made by the guys who made Heart and Spire. If you're familiar with those, I believe it's Grant Howitt and Christopher Taylor. I can't remember the name of their company. It's like Rook Record and Card or Rook Deckard and Card, something like that. I'm... I'm really bad with names but if you're familiar with their stuff uh this is not too different in the sense of sort of being an interesting mixture of mechanics and story game elements i think i actually prefer hollows so far to heart um i mean i love the vibe of heart i love the art i love all these things about heart but for me there's just this weird thing where my brain has a problem sort of matching up some of the mechanics to the story elements mostly because I think it's not a style of play I'm used to like I love narrative elements but my narrative elements are very sort of wishy-washy and kind of not super structured when I think about narrative elements whereas with heart not that there's structure but just the way it's so high concept kind of changes how you have to think about it um, so I do enjoy it but I do think it is probably the hardest game for me to run of all the games I've run so far but going back to hollows hollows is super cool because it mixes a lot of influences that I love if you watch me on twitch I used to play a lot of hunt showdown I still play around some while now um, but hunt showdown is a huge influence and I think the other major influence is bloodborne you're kind of like in this bloodborne like world and if you're not familiar with those both of those are video games uh hunt showdown is this battle royale where you play as these bounty hunters that go into this horror themed sort of bayou and you have to go murder a big boss while also getting out alive and not being killed by the other monsters there as well as other players so it has that sort of vibe of the monster hunter aspect but like the sort of doomed hunter kind of thing and the other thing with bloodborne is bloodborne is a FromSoft game very much like dark souls if you know what dark souls is where you have this sort of 18th century kind of gothic horror mix with a little bit of Eldritch as well later on. That's a little bit spoilers, but it's like an eight-year-old game now. So I think if you didn't know that already, you probably weren't going to play it. But yeah, that 18th century vibe with the uh, Hunt Showdown vibe is basically what you're getting. And you basically just play these doomed hunters that go off and kill massive monsters. It was a lot of fun. It was a very sort of short game. We just did the, I think, the playtest scenario because currently it's being playtested. It's not out yet. Um, I think you can still get in on the playtest if I'm not mistaken. I don't know why you wouldn't be able to, but I could be closed. I didn't look into it too much. The main thing we focused on was the actual combat with the entity as they're known. Basically, the way the combat works is that you have almost a sort of like half board game where you have the boss and then everybody is sort of positioned in relation to that. So they could be off to the side, they could be behind it, they could be off in the support sections because the different abilities you have can only be used in certain places as well as if you want to like heal up, you need to get out of the fight. And I felt it did a fantastic job. Like I really enjoyed it. It was really easy to tell what was going on at all times. I was super engaged. I was really enjoying how even though it went into the tactics, the narrative elements didn't stop happening. I do think that was thanks to the GM as well, who was making sure that like he was trying to make sure the Andy would act in response to certain things we were doing. 
it was very cool. It was very terrifying trying to fight this thing because it was just absolutely nuts. We did end up beating it and we had just a really good time. Because I'm not as familiar with it as much as people who've looked into it, I can't say much more than that than just my experience with it. But I did like the idea of sort of just hunters going into these weird warps where you find these monsters, kill them, and get out. So I highly recommend checking out Hollows. I think it's a really, really fun time. I think if you are a fan of Hunt Showdown, you would probably really enjoy this game. If you're a fan of Bloodborne, I think you'll really enjoy this game. Um, I do think it captures those vibes really, really well and I think it keeps things really interesting. Um, I'm going to play more of it to really get, you know, a better idea of how the progression works and everything else, but that will probably be at a later date when it finally comes out and all that sort of stuff, but I would definitely keep an eye on that if you're interested in that, and if you like those sort of narrative games like Heart and everything else where you still have mechanics, but you have lots of storytelling going on there as well. But with that, let's get into the stuff that I've run. So I've run a lot in the last two months, but I mostly just want to cover two things that I thought were you know, kind of interesting. I feel like a lot of people would be interested to hear how they went. The first one I ran back in early February was Aberrant Reflections. I don't know if the person who made it, Direct Sun, and the team they worked with, or however they did it, I'm not sure what the production behind it was. Um, but on their website, this is only their second product. And I gotta say, Aberrant Reflections might be my favorite scenario that I've run of 2023 so far. I know it's only March, but I've run quite a few things. And I was thinking about doing a big long review on it, which I probably still will do at some point. This won't really count as a review, but I do want to get some thoughts out on it. I do want more eyes on this because I don't know all the stuff behind Direct Sun. I don't know how much they worked on stuff. Perhaps this is actually like, you know, maybe they've been working around for a long time under different names or different companies, or whatever else. But on their main website, this is only their second product they have there. And I would say keep an eye on them because I think they're going to be doing some crazy stuff in the future because this adventure is brilliant. I'm not going to go too deep into all the details because I'll save that for review, but essentially what you have is this puzzle dungeon, and what makes it so great is that the idea is fun. It feels very much like a video game. It feels like Prey or that sort of thing. You know, one of those games where, you know, you kind of really have to use the physics of the game to your advantage to figure out puzzles. It feels like they really captured that with this, in my opinion. There's essentially, and this is going to be going to spoilers now, but essentially this is a puzzle dungeon that is this underground temple that's underneath this dried lake. And it's also a spaceship, like it's an alien craft. And there's aliens in there. And when they screech near these mirrors, the mirrors will turn to sort of like liquid and the players can pass between our world and like a mirror world that's exactly the same, but it has all these weird aberrant creatures in it. And they basically have to use that system of going between mirrors to solve different puzzles. What I find so great about this is a few things, um, but there's not like hard answers for anything, which is the best way to do puzzles in an RPG is that you give the players the tools because there's literal tools. There's actual items. There's like a bell that you can ring to go between worlds. There's a gauntlet that, you know, uh, interacts with stuff in our world and the aberrant world at the same time. There's a lot of really fun sort of physics and that sort of thing with the game. And I think that's what makes it really, really interesting. And so with all that, you have open-ended puzzles and, you know, you just really want the players to be super creative. It is pretty deadly with the different monsters in there, but it's not any more deadly, I don't think, than any other sort of OSR dungeon, but what really takes it home is the layout. I honestly think this should win an award for like best layout or something because it is fantastic. It's both color-coded, it has symbols, um, it easily lays out where the parts of the dungeon are. Like when you go to a room, it'll actually show you for the most part, I think maybe a few don't have it, but for the most part, it'll show you which room it is on the same page as the description. It's hard to get across what I mean in audio only, but essentially, whenever you're looking around, it's very easy to figure out where you are and where things are in relation to other stuff. 
Um, for example, it just has one spread of the map, and it's not a huge dungeon. Like, it's pretty it's pretty nice size, but it's basically that dungeon, and then you double it because there's a mirror world. And all it does is just show you, oh, this stuff that's in the aberrant is in purple. When you go to that page, stuff that's in the aberrant is in purple text, and the other stuff is in black text when it's in the normal world. And it does a lot of stuff like that, and on the map it shows you exactly what page number this room is on. Like, it's just so well done. It's laid out very much like Old School Essentials, where you have just the jawed-down points of where things are. And so it was really fun. I really enjoyed seeing my players interact with everything like that. I think you guys should definitely check it out. If you do like puzzle dungeons, honestly, even if you don't like puzzle dungeons, because I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit weird when it comes to puzzle dungeons, because I do find that some can really be annoying. And this one feels like it's trying to do its best to make sure that like, you have all the information you need. Just remember that you need to be creative. and That's about it. There were a few times where I was kind of like, I don't really know how this works. But I think this should be fine and that was usually okay because i think that kind of comes with the territory of puzzle dungeons but it never really got frustrating i kind of just had to retcon stuff every once in a while or i had to just go like i'm just gonna give you guys this answer right now because i can't explain this in a proper way um because i gave you wrong information earlier whatever else but that could also just be a gm thing more than the actual scenario itself but overall it ran super smoothly the players really enjoyed it it was very very interesting too I think the only real criticism I have, and I think it's only a criticism depending on the context it's being played in, is that it's a little bit anticlimactic as a scenario. And what I mean by that is that early on, for example, you can find a genie in a bottle, which I think is very cool. That's like in the second room. And my players found it right away. And what's funny is that they didn't find the bell, the bell that lets you go between worlds. So they asked the genie for a whistle each that lets them screech like the monsters they came across so they could go between worlds, which I thought was really funny that they ended up coming up with an item that was already in the scenario but making it a whistle instead of a bell which i just thought was really fun just as an example where i could see things being kind of weird is that there's lots of gold early on as well and there's that genie so i could see a lot of players kind of just going like oh well we don't really need to do this um we're just gonna wish for this or ask for that and maybe i missed something but the genie is a genie it gives you one wish for the entire group and we'll grant it and i know usually with wishes you kind of have to be a little bit weird seeing how they word it my players talked to each other a bunch to see how to word it exactly perfectly like they wanted to um, which i thought they did a good job of plus they didn't ask to just sort of end the module they want to see how they could use the genie to make the module a little bit easier on themselves which i thought was very cool so that i would just grant them that without too much trouble especially when they put so much thought in how they want to word it though there was a funny bit where they didn't say i wish and so the genie kind of had to be like well yeah um you know you just gotta ask it a certain way and uh you know there's a magic word and they're like um can we have this thing please and he's like another word uh, and then they finally got there um and it's just a fun little moment with that that's just one thing i could see being very i guess anticlimactic depending on how that ends with the scenario i do not think it's bad i do quite like it i think it's fun to basically put super powerful moments into your games and seeing what happens with players. But I don't see that as a bad thing with the genie. I'm just using an example. The other thing I wanted to bring up was the ending where there's this weird sort of star core that the players rappelled down into to sort of touch and it asked them if they want to launch. The player said yes, the one that sort of melded with this star core and it decided to launch the entire temple because it's a spaceship. And then it went off and I kind of made it obvious what was happening, but the characters didn't know what was happening. So they kind of just went like, huh, that was weird. Everything's rumbling. That's strange. Well, I guess we'll just keep looking around because we haven't searched this entire dungeon. And they sort of went through, but because we're doing sort of a, a one shot or two shot, whatever it was, I was kind of just like, all right, guys, just so you know, like we're kind of getting to the end here. You guys are off going into space. Like there's not really much else to do. You guys have covered a lot of the dungeon, not all of it, but 
overall, that was kind of the ending. And that could have been something on my part. I could maybe had more monsters show up or make it more of a fight, whatever else. But it had overall been a pretty chill time, a very interesting sort of scary time as they were sort of going through, not sure what the hell was going on. And then it kind of just, I don't want to say fizzled out. Because we all had fun and I thought it was cool and they enjoyed sort of the the epilogue as we sort of went through across the stars. But there wasn't that classic, you know, fighting the big bad or anything like that. And of course, like I said, this could have been stuff that I missed, certain key elements that might have been making that a bit more of a climactic thing, which is weird to say that, like, a temple launching a space isn't climactic, because it is, but I, th I think just the way I did it ended up not really selling it the way I wanted to. I almost always want to make sure people can learn from my mistakes when I'm talking about them, because I think... You might run into this, and then you'll see, like, oh, I see what he did wrong here. If I just flip it this way, this is going to work perfectly. So hopefully people can do it better than I did. But that and the genie, I could see being a part of a strange kind of scenario. If, if you're used to that, like, ramping up of tension, stronger monsters, get to the end boss, get the gold, and, you know, get out. So that's why I could see that being a little bit weird as a one or two shot like I ran it. I think it actually works better in a campaign. I think having this as a location, this weird underground temple, because the players learn about it because a kid from the village has gone in and he came back out and he has like these like ant legs that are like growing out of him and stuff. So it's sort of like a little bit of a intriguing body horror kind of thing. Um, but he mentioned seeing gold down there. So I think it works also better as maybe a location they can go back and forth between and sort of explore it slowly and sort of take their time and you can have more stuff going on in there. There is a little bit of RP that can happen. I didn't do much RP in, in that one when I when we did do it because there were some people I could talk to, but overall there wasn't really much I want to spend too much time on. Like I said, when you're in a limited time period, you don't really want to you know focus too much on one thing and then miss out on all the other things that you want to get to. Not that I force my players down a certain road. It's just that you know if you're a GM and you're doing the one shot sort of thing a lot like I do, you just gotta keep track of that at all times to make sure that you know can actually end it. Because I'm somebody who's fine. If we don't get to the end, it sucks. But I'm fine being like, oh, guys, that's all we have time for. And uh, we'll just head on. And I'm glad you guys had fun. And just we'll move on. And we'll hopefully get another game at some point. But I know some people are like, no, no. I must finish this. And if I don't finish this, I will never let it go. And so I know some people are like that. So you something you have to keep in mind with. Because um, I've had some players be like, oh, we're, we're, we're finished already. Can, um, can, we do no can we do another session? And, and finish this up, and I'll be like, oh, I kind of already have, like, the next three Saturdays all slot up, so I can't do that. Um, so, yeah, just keep that in mind. But overall, really brilliant scenario. Um, like I said, keep your eye on Direct Sun, because I think they're going to do some crazy good stuff. I don't know, obviously, if it's just them. I'm sure they have a team and, you know, some great editors and layout artists and everything else. But overall, the ideas were great. The production is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Um, currently it has now finally gone into print. I bought on PDF like a while back, but it wasn't out for print yet. I tried going to their website to buy it, but unfortunately I think they only ship in the U.S. So I have my friend buy a copy, so hopefully I'll get the copy at some point. Uh, so you can buy it in print, but only if you're in the U.S. Or if you have a friend in the U.S. that, you know, can ship it to you from them, then that works out as well. Um, but they didn't ship to Canada, so I'm assuming they don't really ship to anybody else, because that's usually... America and Canada tend to have a lot of the same shipping stuff. So if I can't get it, there's a good chance if you're over in Europe, you can't get it. Either. But yeah, that's Aberrant Reflections. I do think you should definitely check it out. I will probably do a proper formal review. But for now, since I don't have time to do a review on it, I still want to talk about it so that people can hear about it and hopefully support what is, I think, a very, very cool project. So the last thing we're going to talk about today is Sailors on the Starless Sea that I ran as a level one adventure. Because I hit a thousand subs and I want to do a thousand sub video, but because again as i've said several times throughout this so far um that is probably gonna be pushed back when i do you know uh 
sort of, I'm not really big on thank you videos, but I like to do, you know, a big video being like, hey, thanks, and also here's an actual cool video as part of that thanks, not just a video saying thanks. Um, though also thanks. But yeah, I'm looking to do a deep dive video on that, and I wanted to make sure I did a leveled game of it, because I've run it as a funnel so many times, but I thought, you know, if I'm going to do a deep dive, a proper deep dive, then I should also run it as a leveled game so that I can actually, you know, have that aspect covered as well. Which I am glad I did, because I also use the VTT maps, I can also use those as part of the deep dive, and I learned that since my copy, and this has probably been years now that everyone's like, yeah, of course this came out, are you stupid? But as a lot of the DCC scenarios get, you know, reprinted, they tend to have extra scenarios added into them, or, you know, just like an extra scenario that they throw on some extra levels or whatever else, and, and Sailors had the same treatment, and I didn't know that until I had the VTT map, and I saw the different levels they've added to it, and I was like, oh, that's interesting, I didn't realize there was more stuff to this. I should probably check that out, because that's some extra information. I can't really do a deep dive and then not cover an entire aspect that's been added because the copy I have of Sailors is probably like eight years old now. Um, it's it's pretty old, so I only have, you know, just the classic adventure in there. But getting back on topic, the leveled Sailors game went really well. I thought the pacing was really good. I was able to run it in about three, three and a half hours. Um, and also, this is going to be spoilers again for uh, Sailors. But I was able to run it in about three, three and a half hours. And it was pretty good i think overall what i've learned with sailors is that if i want to run it as a one shot because i do think most funnels should be a one shot i have to just cut stuff out what's interesting is that this is the first part to actually go through the ruined wall instead of through the front gate i kind of wish i had more time so that i could have done the whole tomb thing you know maybe help them find that more because i still have never had a group find that because i usually just don't really have it as an option i tend to just have the burned out temple the well the capstone, if anybody tends to look for it, but nobody has yet said, like, oh, I'm going to look around the ground to see if there's anything around. But I usually have, yeah, the temple, the uh, well, and the tower with all the beasts and all that. And if I just have those three things, it tends to be really good to just get them through some interesting stuff, kill off some level zeros, and then still get them down there as at around halfway point, you know, so we can, you know, keep things paced and good. And so I did the same thing here. I just had those encounters. They dealt with them, had some fun moments, some weird stuff. Um, the fun thing, not having 16 level zeros at the beginning, is that they end up being pretty quick in how they do stuff. It's just way less to deal with, honestly. So the players are able to just deal with their one character and have fun with it and just focus on that. There were no clerics, and I wasn't using Linkmar healing, so I gave everybody two healing potions each just for the fun of it, because there's only, there's only four of them, and I was like, this might get pretty tough. I'm glad I did that, because they end up using them a lot. It never felt easy. It never felt like they had too much because they were always just like, you know, one or two shots away from dying. Because I think the most HP anybody had was like nine. So they got fucked up quite a few times, but it was a, it was a really good time. They did a good job. Um, they used their brain a lot. They used their abilities really well. It was really, really fun. Uh, I do recommend it. I think it actually works really well. I didn't change anything. I think the only thing I changed or was going to change was the final boss. I might give him like a little bit of extra hit points. Just to see, you know, if he can take just one more hit. <laughs> that didn't end up mattering because um, he ended up getting kicked down back into the pit from whence he came. And then the wizard spell burned so much because they had like a 14 in strength, a 15 in agility, and like a 14 in endurance. And they just burned so much of it. I'm pretty big on just burn all you got. And also we're doing a one shot. Let's have fun with this. Let's fucking completely destroy everything it's the most fun things you can have if you're a wizard or an elf um so the elf character sorry not the wizard decide to basically orbital laser with this magic missile from her hands about five feet away from his face and just absolutely evaporate him i think the only real difference i think because overall the game played pretty much the same as i've done with funnel characters 
I mean, other than the fallen characters probably being a little bit more creative because they have to be, the only real difference was that they, like, assaulted the Ziggurat. Like, they were, like, a special forces team just going in there, um, slitting throats and stabbing dudes. And I allow them to throw the skulls like grenades because, like, you know what? If they use them now, even though it's supposed to be used against the fallen boss... I'm like, use them up now, and you kind of just lose that, you know, that really good ability you have of just being able to basically chuck a grenade um, at the big guy at the end. So they were just, like, chucking out these flaming skulls that would explode and kill dudes and stab guys. It got pretty hairy in certain situations. People went down a few times, and they got revived back up. You know, beastmen were jumping behind them and in front of them, so they were just cutting their way through up the entire ziggurat and then there was just the final battle which ended pretty quickly like i said because the elf just completely decimated uh the final dude there so other than that it ran pretty much the same um the players were all you know great players they'd all played dcc before i'm fairly sure so they kind of already knew what they were doing and it was just a great time i highly recommend it i do think it is a different beast i do think four characters is a good amount it might be a little low depending on the makeup of the party um if you don't have a big bruiser warrior type you might want five or six or even like everybody gets a level one and like two level zeros that could be fun because then you have a little bit of fodder to take some hits and then if anything goes wrong where they're doing too well or not doing well enough you can just beef up the amount of hp the beastmen have you know because the beastmen only have four hit points so basically every attack of the players land was a kill so they were just really cut through dudes really fast which was really really cool um i think they enjoyed it a lot they felt pretty badass just slaughtering these fucking poor beast men left and right um so it was pretty fun while never being too easy it actually balanced out perfectly and i didn't have to convert or change anything so hopefully with that i can do a deeper dive video now with a little bit more experience doing different stuff than just the funnels um and just sort of going through the entire scenario at some point i do not know when that will be um, but hopefully sooner rather than later. But that's all we have time for today. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Please let me know if you want more of this. I had a lot of fun just chatting about random stuff. This is just a you know pretty fun medium to just you know be a nerd in where I can just chat about dumb stuff and just sort of ramble and ramble and ramble. I might have friends on at certain points. Like I said, I might have different subjects. One thing I think would be fun to do at the end of episodes that I'm just thinking of now as I'm talking is that because the you know RPG. Um, community is so kind of small and can be kind of crazy to try and get big in, you know, with a lot of people trying to, you know, do so many different scenarios and try and do different things. It can be hard to really stand out. So I was thinking it'd be fun to do like, you know, one or two shouts at the end of videos, you know, of just people who are, you know, doing blogs or made a new scenario or, you know, have a YouTube channel or podcast, whatever it might be that they have. I think it'd just be fun to do that. So if you guys ever have any ideas of anybody you'd like, you know, to have a little bit of a shout out, I would say just comment below. Maybe give a link of your favorite video, blog, podcast episode, whatever it might be. I think the main one I think of right now off the top of my head, because uh, it's made by a friend of mine, is I would check out the Old Ways podcast. I have actually, I'll be honest, I haven't listened to their stuff in a while, but I do tune in every once in a while just to see, you know, what crazy stuff they're doing. Um, I highly recommend the Old Ways podcast. They're doing so much stuff they have. Uh, Vampire the Masquerade actual plays. They have Call Cthulhu actual plays. They're really high production. They're really good. Good sound quality. Everybody has good mics. Really good editing. You know, little sound effects here and there. Um, I was actually on one of their Patreon episodes like two or three years ago. I think it was like two years ago now. Yeah. And I was just doing like an alien one shot. It was really fun. Uh, it was a fantastic time. 
Um, and if you know John from the, you know, actual play, the DCC Pile of Shame campaign actual play, he is in a few of their actual plays. And of course, I think he's a favorite because he's one of my favorites. So I highly recommend checking out the Old Ways podcast. Um, and they do great stuff. And yeah, if you guys know of any other ones that you'd like me to give a little shout out to, please comment below. I'm going to stop rambling now and try and get back to work on the big projects I actually want to get done. So thank you so much for listening and I'll see you guys later. Stay safe out there.